With us, I am back uh, with uh, esteemed guest Joe Hartman, uh, Libertarian candidate for Congress and um, massive gay because he thinks we should apply the nap to our communications. Um, I am also by my co-hosts uh, Theodore, Gonzo and Tom. Good evening lads, how are you? Doing great man, how are you <sighs> feeling? I'm fine, man. I'm good. Good evening, everybody. Thanks, Joe, for coming on the Bullshito Show. Yeah, no, happy to be here. Thank you. Right. Awesome. Um, yeah, we can ignore Tom. Tom isn't important. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> so, uh, we you almost got into this before I cut you off, uh, before we started recording. Um, but you are of the that we should apply the nap to our communications now as i said um i mean i'm a i'm a horny shit poster so uh i don't apply the nap to my communications even a little bit um so i'm wondering where does this idea come from that we should apply the nap to our uh to to the way uh, we talk with each other yeah, so I think uh, I, I can kind of come at this at a lot of different angles, and I'm curious to, to attempt to defend this uh, this concept of just being nice uh, with the goal of being persuasive, right? Like if the goal of communication is to deliver uh, and and to uh, well, I, I guess to my my primary motivation is for my own self interest, right? Like talking shit about somebody else doesn't really accomplish. Uh, as much of a goal as uh, attempting to persuade someone or really learning and drilling down into why they're wrong, right? So just in the, the framework of you know persuasion versus coercion uh, and aggression versus non-aggression, that as much as possible, it's more effective and more fun and more rewarding and more valuable, uh, you know, for my own interests as well as just for the uh, pursuit of of uh, enhancing the ability to be persuasive to uh, approach communication with the goal of non-aggression and with the same principle in you know the way that we would uh, treat people avoiding physical aggression and the same way we avoid verbal aggression so and I don't really have in the same concept like I don't I don't think people are wrong for not uh, you know engaging in the way that I prefer to do it I just think that's the way that I, in my attempt to apply the libertarian principles as consistently as possible, I attempt to always uh, be kind and thoughtful and seek out the very best part of the argument of the other person, especially when they're like super wrong. So I kind of like like just about everybody um, in some way. Like I think that there's always some some utility of hearing other people's perspectives because people have unique subjective value structures. And by being more, per, you know, by being uh, more open and, and thoughtful, it's easier to draw that out. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's my approach. So I guess to, to like little examples, like the the low IQ insult with people, like to me, that's that's pointless. That doesn't that doesn't really accomplish anything. Like calling people dumb doesn't bring out their best argument. You don't really win anything from it, other than just being condescending, uh, which is the nature of the state, right? The state is a condescending uh, dick. And so, like, as libertarians, at least from my perspective, right, the goal of being consistent with the philosophy applies to the way that we talk to each other. So, 
Right, right. So um, I have two things I'd like to mention. First of all, Theodore, do something about your fucking audio because you're making a random noise. Yeah, um, try muting right. it when you're not speaking. Sorry, I thought I was muted. <laughs> all right, thank you, Theodore. Um, and secondly, uh, I almost forgot something very important in your uh, remarks about persuading people uh, reminded me of that. Um, because I have to uh, keep the lights on over here. Um, and to keep the lights on, I uh, have to persuade people uh, to buy some shit. In other words, uh, I have an ad read for uh, our sponsor. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry for cutting you up like this, but uh, well, I don't very often have sponsors, so I'm not a professional. Um, so uh, our sponsor for today is Infinite CBT. Do you enjoy the fantasy of castration, but dislike the finality of it? Then Infinite CBT is here for you. It is made of 100% pure cock and ball torture, which is the non-psychotic ingredient in castration. It will guarantee you a top performance in the dungeon. Infinite CBT comes in discreet packaging, straight to your door, and has a special offer for you. Right now, if you use the promo code WOODSANDBALLTORTURE at infinitecbt.com, They'll give you 15% of your first order, as well as free shipping. They offer lots of great products, including the Latina Tricks line of razor sharp stiletto heels, and my personal favorite, the 4PM Dick Flattener. Once again, that's infinitecbd.com, and use promo code Woods and Ball Torture for 15% off of your first order. Again, infinitecbd.com. Alright, now, back to our program. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Joe, I saw you got into it with, um, uh, certified heavyweight, uh, Stephen Kinsella, uh, the other day. Would you say that his, uh, approach, um, of, well, mentioning to people that he's a heavyweight and they should be grateful, uh, that he's spending some precious minutes out of his very important day to them, uh, is the wrong approach? I mean, so uh, I, the wrong approach is not the way that I would classify it, right? All my, my only argument is that from my perspective, it's in my own self-interest to engage with people in the best form of the ideas, which is in a thoughtful and responsive and, and adaptive way to focus on trying to figure out where someone else you know, where the common ground is, where the common principles are, uh, and then how those principles are applied with different priorities. So, uh, I mean, I think Stefan had a major influence on me when I first heard his his approach to intellectual property laws. Uh, that was a memorable moment. I, I heard him on Tom Woods a couple times, and I just think, you know, the consistency of the argument is something that I've always loved about libertarian philosophy. Uh, and, you know, I come from the Ron Paul 2008 presidential campaign. That's what, you know, turned me on to libertarian ideas. And I, you know, haven't had this approach with the communication side of it. And I'm not always consistent with that anyway. But I just think, you know, in the nature of, of the argument, we should try to, uh, you know, use uh, the, the best version of the argument. And that doesn't include like I'm a heavyweight and whatever, all of that stuff. Like it's just not as effective as engaging with people as equals in the sense that, you know, they're just a person with opinions and subjective values. And so, 
uh, in that context, you're just sharing your subjective values. Like, so I don't think Stefan is wrong. I just think he's engaging in a, in a different way. And I, I guess I would say it's a less effective way if the goal is to be persuasive. If there, and I don't think that that's always the nature of the game, right? I think that the ideas are, are excellent and the libertarian principles are, are beautiful. So I want to try to share them. Um, and so that's my underlying motivation for the communication. But if your goal is to, you know, generate more Twitter attention or something else like the shit posting, you know, or, or the, the different approach to uh, the way that Stefan was, was operating in uh, with that Bitcoin guy, uh, yeah, maybe that's the better approach to do it. If you're trying to, you know, be provocative. Sure. You know, so, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't say it wrong. I just think that there's other ways to go about it. And I prefer the using the nap as as broadly as possible. I mean, I used to agree with you, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't really have time for everyone, you know, to have a long discussion with every person who says the wrong things. So uh, finding out who is, uh, yeah, you know, uh, possible to convince uh, and who is an NPC that... Uh, really only uh, can be used for ridicule uh, yeah that's uh, more uh, time less time consuming i guess well um joe before you answer because i'm sure we'll, you'll have a great answer um <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to point out that i think twitter is an awful medium for convincing people of anything which is the reason that you should just talk massive shit to everyone and anyone um, because it's fucking Twitter. There's no point. Um, so that's that's where I stand. Uh, Joe, please give your answer and then I'll open up the floor to my uh, to my co-hosts. No, I mean, I, I like I, I definitely disagree with that. I, I've I, in terms of the Twitter not being a, a valuable forum, like I've learned fascinating you know things on Twitter and had engaging conversation. One of the things that I mean, there are some very, very intelligent and witty people on Twitter. Um, and you know, people who I've discovered ideas that I had never encountered before. And I would agree with, you thank know, you very much, point. by the way. What? Huh? Oh, uh, no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like the, the overall, uh, you know, nature of Twitter is sure. Like it's accessible because people are constantly violating the nap in, in the sense that they're not engaging with like the better version of people's arguments. They try to use other people. I, I think of it in the Kantian principle of like the categorical imperative where it's, you know, you want to consistently apply the idea, uh, the, the rule in the sense that it's wrong to like use people for your own means rather than considering their ends. I think that like a lot of times just ridiculing people to try to like shame them is not really accomplishing your own interests. And it, again, it kind of violates the, the, the utility of communication. It's just like you're trying to use people to talk shit. And I, not that I think it's wrong. Like I enjoy, you know, plenty of of shit talking and, and, you know, shit posting memes. Like I don't have any problem with it. I'm not against it. It's just not the way that I choose to allocate my resources, or at least I, I try to allocate my resources in, in, in terms of the, the, the nature of, of political discourse or, you know, using the, the public social media platforms in a way that uh, focuses on learning for myself. Like I see this totally as a selfish venture, right? Like the pursuit of self-interest is what motivates my approach to this. And you get like a short-term benefit of like talking shit about people, fine. But in terms of like the broader thing, it's much better to learn from people 
uh, people who are worth learning from. I agreed with that, that earlier point that like a lot of people aren't worth it. And if you can see people are operating in bad faith and they're not like there's no curiosity or humility, they're just talking, you know, out of their ass, then yeah, I, I don't have any interest in engaging with people like that. So I ignore plenty of the opportunities to chime in with a nice word. It's not like I'm out there just, you know, really interested in really stupid people. Um, but I think that there's a lot like, yeah, I, I think um, I, I guess I see it all through the praxeology sense that, you know, the action axiom, human action is purposeful behavior. And so the purpose of your behavior is what you have to determine. And so in, in the sense of, of communication, we you know use the means of Twitter to, in pursuit of our ends. And you can have a lot of different ends, uh, but I figure the best use in my own interest is to learn stuff and to spread the libertarian principles in the best way that I can. And I don't think I'm all that good at it. I don't have much of a Twitter following. Um, and part of the reason why I decided to be a politician for a couple months was to have a better opportunity to, to run my mouth and try to engage with more people. And get, I got my check mark, so that was kind of tight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. All right. right. Uh, you say uh, you have your origins in the 2008 uh, Rumpel campaign, right? Yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, wait. yeah. Uh, but when were you diagnosed with libertarianism? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You, you, you were diagnosed right then with libertarianism, right? I mean, yeah. Diagnosed is a curious word, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, the 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 principle and the consistency, and you know, Ron Paul wasn't up there, you know, uh, talking smack about a lot of people. He would. Uh, you know, he didn't you wouldn't call them war criminals. He would talk about the problems of war that the politicians were instituting. But he, he didn't attack the people. He attacked the institutions. And I think that's the better approach is rather than engaging with individuals who are symptomatic of the coercive state to focus all of the animosity at the state itself. And so, like, I have, you know, explanations of systemic racism that most people would not consider, like, in, in the context. But I think all of the arguments that we can point at the nature of the political institution, the better. So rather than vilifying people, vilify the state. You mentioned Ron Paul. Uh, if Ron yeah. Paul made you interested in politics, why are you looking at Libertarian Party instead of one of the two duopoly parties? Well, I mean, I, I think the Republican Party, I mean, I guess to go in this direction with, you know, your your spiel, it's it's like I would have zero ability to be a part of the county libertarian or county Republican Party. That would not be appealing I have like you had mentioned there are people in the libertarian movement that raise funds and stuff like I don't know where maybe I'm sure there are. But for the most part, libertarian people are or libertarian party people are you know just out here to kind of meet each other and have some fun. And, you know, the idea of being on the ballot is just a way to elevate the message. So if I were to try to be a part of the Republican Party, I would be disgusted by all of my you know uh, comrades in the party. And I have no interest in being a part of, obviously, the Democrat Party either. So, um, yeah. Why would I, you I, rather be? Why would you rather be right instead of in power, making changes for the better? I wouldn't get into power. I'm not trying to be a politician. I'm not trying to be in public office. Like being in Congress is not something that I have. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not capable of winning any sort of election. That's not really the goal. Um, I mean, and, and really, in some ways, it's not even about trying to make political change. It's just trying to inject a little bit of diversity into the political discourse. 
That's the way I the look reason, at it. I mean, that's, the, reason that I object, the reason that I object to libertarianism is because being a libertarian does not necessarily mean that you are an anti-authoritarian. And I only consider myself an anti-authoritarian. So trying to be a libertarian loses that message. What do you mean by that? Well, there's two sides to the political spectrum. You either believe in authority or you don't. And you and I would both agree that anti-authoritarianism is very important. But I don't understand where being a part of the Libertarian Party, not changing any laws, means that you're on my side. Well, I see the Libertarian Party as as a tool, right? Like it's not like something that is uh, – I mean there's, there's a group of people who have created a organization – uh, that made it where I didn't all I had to do was sign my own name to get onto the ballot and I've had you know dozens of uh, hours I guess I, I, I'm on a you know a, a local radio station spouting my libertarian my and I think libertarian equals anti-authoritarian to me those are our synonyms they're um, supposed to be. I wouldn't say the Libertarian Party does anything to deal with authoritarianism because it's not in power. So if you're actually anti-authoritarian, you'd be changing laws. Well, it's weird to think of anti-authoritarian as someone who wants to be in power. Like that just that that strikes me as a difficult sell. Yeah, plus uh, Theodore, the, the idea uh, are you currently changing laws? <laughs> I am not a politician. But you're an anti-authoritarian. Yeah, I, I use individual means against the state. Ah. Yeah, me too. I totally agree with that. Rainwater. I just, I'm using an organization where that elevates my ability to use my individual means. The Libertarian Party doesn't elevate anything. It only elevates losing. I mean, Libertarian candidates get a single-digit percent of the vote every time. It's embarrassing. So I think – I mean the way that I, I look at it is there's more than one game going on. Right, you're kind of fixated on the electoral process, and it's a much broader picture. Like because of being on the ballot, I've been on, you know, I've had a bunch of interviews that haven't probably had many views. I, I, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people, to engage in conversations uh, in ways that I otherwise would not have had. So just in that sense, the Libertarian Party has been a tool to elevate the message of liberty. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how effective I've been or, or whatever, but I've had many conversations and, and over the decade before I was ever, and I, like, I totally agree with you in, in the sense that the Libertarian Party has zero chance of getting into political office. Um, it, like, it, it's a bit of a silly thing. I guess it's kind of cool that Justin Amash is, is a Libertarian member of Congress. I think he's, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, and I guess- He wasn't elected is, as a Libertarian, which is the important part to remember about him. What? He, he was not elected as an as a libertarian. Okay. Yeah. No. Obviously. And, and yeah, like the idea that libertarians are like in in most every interview that I've done, I've made it clear. Like, obviously, I'm not going to win. And to some degree, I don't care that much about how many votes that I get. I mean, I, I hope to do well. But to me, it's about adding, uh, you know, just giving myself a bigger platform to speak about peace and free markets and free speech. And the problems of the duopoly system, um, and I see the like in in the sense that at least one of your criticisms that you say is that libertarians with political acumen should be involved in the county parties or or should be involved in the two big parties. And like from just in terms of the you know the primary in uh, in the Republican Party had four people. They all raised you know some money. The one guy who won raised a couple million dollars. 
So obviously he won. He got a bunch of Democrats to come out and vote for him in the primary because it's an open primary. So like the idea, like to me, that's the one part of your your argument that makes no sense is that libertarians should try to influence the two big parties that are just always pointing towards bigger and bigger government. So that part of it, I, I don't find compelling at all. Uh, but for the, most part, yeah, the idea of the Libertarian Party is not not to get into political office because that's not the only way to, to change the political conversation, right? That's it's just a superficial. I, I guess that would be my my argument. It's a superficial approach to the nature of political conversation. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, political conversation, do you think uh, Dick Cheney likes Dick and his Cheney? <laughs> I don't know. Well, Jill, what do you think? Huh? About Dick Cheney? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't have strong opinions on that. Seems like a pretty weird guy. So let's take All the right, hypothetical well. that you actually, through some magical force, oh, everybody in... Or Dick Cheney. Um, all of Michigan's 8th District realizes that you're speaking truth and decides that they're going to go and cast their ballot for you. What then? And how how could a libertarian actually affect the current political process? Because my contention has always been that Operating in this system is like building on a rotten foundation. It's bound to collapse no matter what you do. So how, you know, what what magic wand do you have to wave at this fucking problem? And how would you actually implement change if you did win? All right. So to be honest, like, that's the normal question that I have to deal with on like regular shows. And I'm kind of tired of talking about that because it's like it's such a silly hypothetical. Like, yeah, the system is is gross and, and unfixable. Like, so I, I mean, not that I, I, I don't mean I disrespect by that response, but like, no, nah, I'm not going to win. So it's kind of a silly conversation. But I guess that I would also say that Ron Paul, who, you know, not to in any way compare any other libertarians to what he was able to accomplish, but he created many libertarians and he never did anything much successful in public office, right? He he was like the only no vote on thousands of bills, or you know, one all, of the very few no all, votes. All right? he did was run as a Republican. It's really easy, you see. But exactly. But in terms of, but from your argument about he he also is an incredible speaker and, and a beloved character. So uh, there's that part of it as well. But uh, you know, he didn't accomplish reducing the power of the state, right? He failed in the sense that. The government got huge while he was in Congress. He didn't do much politically successful other than educate people and insert his voice into the political dialogue. So he he didn't win his presidential election, but through that, you know, thousands and thousands of libertarians were born. And, you know, one of the things that President Trump said in the debates in 2016 was he used the phrase policeman of the world. And that was at least the first time I heard it was Ron Paul saying that. So the ability to, to try to change the dialogue and pull the, 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 the political discourse towards liberty and away from the partisan stupid shit, that like that's much more of a feasible goal rather than actually, you know, just like what Gonzo was saying, like the idea of getting into power and trying to reduce power, that's a totally futile attempt. And I think, you know, Justin Amash is uh, and, and the other, you know, somewhat libertarian 
uh, voices in Congress, they're not winning and they've never been winning. And even like, you know, to look at what the Tea Party did, some of those people had limited government rhetoric. But once they got into power, they became just, you know, typical Republicans who supported gigantic government. And so I, the, the idea that the anti-authoritarian route is to become the authoritarian or to become a part of the authoritarian system, that that doesn't make much sense to me. I think the, the best, much better way to do it is, and the only reason I'm doing the congressional campaign is be to, to elevate my voice a little bit. And, you know, most people still ignore me. I was excluded from the debates. I, you know, I'm, I'm not given, you know, much attention, but some Why would you want to be excluded from the debates? That's silly. No, I wanted to be. I was desperate to be included. I hassled and and haggled and pestered people as much as I could, but they wouldn't let me in. I know it's rigged. Why wouldn't you rather be part of the duopoly and get on the debate stage? That's such a weird, like, are you assuming that I would have a chance to compete? Maybe you sound relatively intelligent to me. Oh, that's awfully nice, man. I really appreciate that. But uh, no, dude. So the guy, uh, there were four candidates. They all, I, I've raised zero dollars. I'm not going to raise any money. I would never give any of my own money to a political campaign. So uh, no, and I, I don't, like my whole thing is to try to represent the Libertarian Party and Libertarian argument in a different way. And I would have had zero chance to even get on, you know, maybe I would have been able to be a part of the Republican primary debate. Uh, but all of the campaigns had at least five figure, or at least, you know, three of the campaigns had five figure amounts of, of money that they were spending. I certainly don't want to be asking people for money and I don't really want to be in public office. I think that's a big part of it as well. That's not the goal of this, right? I, I, and so, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm approaching it in in the nature of, yeah. All right. Um, so I have a question, um, as a, uh, a libertarian running for Congress, um, what is your opinion on waterfalls? I am pro waterfalls. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Rec- yes, please, Tom. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Joe Hartman, uh, do you think uh, Michigan is ready for a congressman who has a heart for men? Well, um, that's a pretty deep question. I think that you know there has been a lot more tolerance out there. Um, uh, yeah, so, so maybe, I, uh, I, I think I was concerned, I'm, you know, when I was younger, uh, my name was more construed to say Fartman. So if someone's gonna, you know, kind of try to make jokes about my name, I'm not sure the Congress is ready for, for a Fartman or a heart of men or, you know, whatever, but there are, you know, gay people in Congress. So, um, would wait. you say yeah, that, I'm, I'm, would you say the traps are gay? But, I'm not sure really what that means. Um, oh. Um, okay, uh, they are boys that look like girls. Like Adults. Thai lady boys. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, <don't know> about. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't have many opinions on that kind of stuff. I would, I mean, just to you know, redirect a little bit. My one of the libertarian things that I considered. Uh, you know, uh, an important part of my libertarian message and the consistency was, you know, for years talking about marriage equality as a way of opposing, you know, government power over people. So, right. uh, you know, supporting gay marriage and bantering with Republicans about, you know, their inconsistencies, um, uh, you know, just uh, you know, in that topic. So, I right. think everybody has the right to be equally miserable. Yes. So. Joe, how?
what what would you say is the relationship between laminate stands uh, and the APA writing style? Now, now that is a relevant question. <laughs> um, I think that in both you know situations, uh, the goal is to use the means available in pursuit of your ends. So if you're trying to write an essay or you're trying to sell some lemonade, uh, the in the praxeological sense, success is about formulating your words. Uh, in a way that is is you know informative and using the APA style can probably be a part of that. And with lemonade stands, like in, in both senses, you're you're trying to use the tools available to you uh, to accomplish your goals. So I think that in, in both uh, the pursuit of selling lemonade and the pursuit of of adhering to the APA style, um, that you have to you have to know the opportunities available to you. You have to recognize you know the the means at your uh, disposal and use them to the best of your ability in pursuit of your ends. Okay, right. let's talk immigration. Yeah. If I were to uh, marry a uh, an American dude uh, to get a green card, would that be gay? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, love wins. It'd what be gay. What is the correct amount of gay waterfalls in your opinion? Um, I think, you know, I think just using the word gay is a little bit too narrow. I think that there's there's a lot more diversity. You know, there's a lot of letters. So like non-binary? Bi All right. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of different, uh, you know, types of waterfalls out there. I think, you know, waterfall is, is a, a commonly used term for a smoking device. Um, so, you know, waterfalls... Are, are great. I think waterfalls can be majestic and beautiful. Um, and they can also, you know, just carry dirty water uh, to clean water. So there are, there are good and bad, you know, aspects of waterfalls. It's not something I've thought about all that often, to, to be honest. It's not something I'm putting at the front of my campaign. Um, but one thing, if, if uh, you know, I'd be curious to, to talk with someone in Europe uh, about my, one of the issues that I have, and, and I think this goes to uh, a little bit of, of Theodore's point or, or something like that. But with the idea that uh, since I'm not going to win, my goal has been, at least to some degree, to elevate the issue of permanent daylight savings time. So there's a bill in Congress called the Daylight Act, and it would allow states to implement permanent daylight savings time and end the chaos of clock changing. The you know government mandated, they, you know, they subsidize an hour in the fall and then they tax it back away in the spring. And it's so stupid. And, uh, you know, it just it literally kills people. There are 28 additional annual car accident deaths following the spring forward. There have been a bunch of studies about heart attacks. And uh, so I think it's an issue that there's bipartisan support for. President Trump supported it uh, a couple years ago. And there have been 13 states that have passed something at the state legislative level. Uh, but the federal government prohibits permanent daylight savings time. So Man, shit. I can see I can see that you're not actually wanting to win. Because I can't imagine talking about anything more boring than daylight savings time. So um, you're a you're. However, a, I could imagine that um, having more daylight in your day would the amount of sparkles that you can put on your suit. Um, Joe, how many sparkles do you have on your suit? Uh, I don't really wear suits, man. All right. Well, how many sparkles do you have on your cock and balls if you were running around naked? Um, that's a, that's a tricky one. I, I can't disclose that information. It's classified. Yeah, it's classified. Yeah. If your junk isn't covered in stripper dust, man, I couldn't vote for you. 
I mean, I'm already going to lose, but I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, might help you uh, win. Some, something a bit more controversial, uh, Joe. Uh, what do you have to say about the allegations that you called uh, the no-running uh, libertarian presidential candidate, Joe Jorgensen, uh, the W word? Is that woman? Yeah. <gasps> I think I think she's uh, you know pretty solid. I I like her approach generally. I think she's a decent voice for liberty. Um, yeah, but is it true that I called her a woman? Yeah, that that word, the W word. Yeah, the one you just said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she is. I think she's called herself that as well. All right, that's good to know. Um, what is your? I mean, I can I can excuse yeah. racism, but uh, yeah. that kind of language on this podcast, I don't know. All right. <laughs> uh, so, what is your uh, professional opinion on sandblasting hookers? The hell is um, sandblasting? Well, I think you know, to some degree, I, I I didn't realize that we would have such a cast of characters here. I've heard Bolshito talk to a few other people and. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have opinions on, on lots of the, these, these, you know, <laughs> exciting issues. Um, but I think it kind of goes to my, my thought about trying to allocate the resources of our communication in a way that is, you know, productive and useful, uh, rather than in discussing, you know, just kind of nonsense words and, and silly questions. And, and it's not, I, you know, I try to never be, be scared of any, you know, of these, these <laughs> important issues. Uh, but I think it would maybe be more fun and interesting if we talked about other, you know, more relevant topics, not even necessarily politically, but just like with the, you know, libertarian uh, approach to things. So I have I have this, this uh, you know, concept of how I, I perceive the left and the right that I'd be curious to hear what you guys think of. But we could talk about something else as well. You know, whatever. It's it's your show. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, so, um... yeah. Uh, I think your your point is valid. Um, so I would wonder: Do you uh, prefer the right cheek or the left cheek? I'm I'm uh, both. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm comp- yeah. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm a, I'm a so, fan of, so uh, of all. Yeah, you know you, what you're Europeans, saying is you don't like want uh, kissing on the cheek, you know. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Buy oh, part of the cheek. <laughs> yeah. So how does one maintain civility and a good conversation with somebody like, say, a tanky or a communist on the Internet? Like, I, I'm assuming that you've arrived at the conclusion that you know they're wrong. And the only hope you have is to change their opinion and their mindset against it. So... How do you maintain civility no. and the NAP and deal with tankies and commies? So I, I, I would say to some degree, the goal is to share the message and, and kind of, you know, convert people or change their opinions or enlighten them in some way. Right. But I think much more, my goal is like, like I'm, I'm greedy about it. That's the way I look at it. Like the, the pursuit of self, self-interest is an inherent function that, uh, you know, in the Misesian sense or like Ayn Rand said, like the idea that we're, we're pursuing our own goals. And so to me, 
I like and and Twitter with ancoms has been a useful experience to me where I thought the idea of anarcho-communism was completely incoherent. Um, but through some discussions on Twitter and then some subsequent reading, I think that they have an interesting approach to things. And I think that there's there's a sense that, um, you know, tankies, obviously, that's that's a little bit different. And, I, you know, Jacobin magazine is uh, uh, I don't know if they call themselves tankies exactly, but they have like fascinating versions of rationalizing communist violence. Like they're able to tell stories that in ways that, uh, you know, pr- present the argument for, you know, just like massive collectivist violence uh, in ways that is is interesting. And I, I can see why it's compelling to people. And I think that understanding, uh, you know, where the, the more narrow uh, source of disagreement is is crucial to being able to uh, to argue and be persuasive and deliver your own argument. So trying to, you know, the in terms of recognizing exactly why people are wrong, not just writing them off as, you know, authoritarian fools or, you know, they're whatever, like, like, sure, people are, are, you know, duplicitous and delusional in all sorts of ways, uh, because they don't look at everything through the, the lens of the nap. And, and to me, like the, the praxeological sense of it. So I think, uh, taking a step back and always trying to figure out, you know, find the common ground with people and then see how they explain where they apply their principles inconsistently. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's that's um, why you should be in the Republican or Democrat Party with exactly that attitude. All right. So, um, quick, quick uh, interim uh, uh, question in between here. On a scale of one to ten, with one uh, being essentially a Buddhist monk and uh, ten being a Rasputin, how horny do you think Stalin was? Um, probably like a seven. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, yeah, the Romanovs, by the way, he very gay. Anything if he was if it was higher than that, but he was. Yeah, that would be, be in my estimation. Yeah. Really sexy mustache, by the way. <laughs> Much better than Hitler. Yeah. Unfortunately. Girthier. <laughs> Of the North Korean dictators have uh, fantastic facial hair, because I mean Lenin had it, um, Castro had it, uh, you know all of the all of the important dictators, well, except for the for Mao, he didn't have any particular yeah, facial. Yeah, because hair. why he's do you think Asian. that none of the Asians Asian dictators have the good facial hair? Because Asians do not have facial hair. They're all lady boys. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. So what would the, what I would mean, the official libertarian facial yeah. hairstyle? What would that be? Uh, I don't know. I have a beard. Um, you know, one uh, one thing that well, never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know I, I support uh, freedom of hairstyles. I think people should be able to to you know express themselves through their hair as ever they like. Including the Hitler stash, I think that 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 would cause some some social costs, uh, and I think it's it's probably just good for everyone that that's uh, you you don't see that too often. And yeah, but normalize the Hitler bad look anyway. Yeah, I mean, if your only if your only interest was mustache rides, the Hitler stash would do the job. That's all I'm saying. 
mustache. It's all rods? about efficiency. It's all about efficiency when you when you're going for mustache rides. Yeah, mustache you've really got to. Yes, mustache rides. That's correct. What do you mean? Well, um, <laughs> sit on my face and tell me you love me. Ah, uh, okay, okay. That's kind of right. Yeah, yeah. No, you're Prickly. an anarchist. Uh, what kind of facial hair would you get? Uh, would you like grow out, grow out a long beard and then cut like uh, an A into it? Well, I, I think you know, I, I I view it just like anything else. It's easier to keep most of my beard. The if I let it grow down my neck, it doesn't look so fresh. Um, so I kind of just clean up the edges of it and. I mean, I, I cut my hair myself too, so I think if it's, your beard uh, doesn't if your beard doesn't reach your nipples, you're not a real libertarian. <laughs> uh, including if you're female, yeah. including females. Yeah. So you guys familiar with the naked guy of the Libertarian Party? Yep. Heard of him? Yeah. So he's my brother. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, he he lives in my area. He's uh he's the chair of my local party, and I'm the vice chair. So oh. I you know I appreciate him. He he encouraged me to run. He's uh he's a very interesting character. Uh, we have some ideological differences, but I you know I've definitely learned from his perspective on things, and, and I think you know what he did at the Libertarian Party convention, uh you know generated some attention, and it you know it showed the 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 nature of the libertarian party of being open to, to all types of people. And he was nominated for chair. That's why he got to do his little dance. Um, and you know, when you're all this discussion of beards and big beard, uh, made me think of James. So uh, I uh, use that meme every week and I'm so thankful every day that that was thought to be a good idea for advancing Liberty. I thank the meme gods every day for that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, one thing I like to say is that, you know, like what, what he did uh, or, or, you know, like what Bill Weld was to the 2016 Libertarian Party was way worse for the Libertarian Party brand. Uh, you know, compared you. to that's actually, that's actually a really, really good point. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. think he would uh, be more or less popular if he was female and did that? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I think, yeah. Does he, he make was, you sit on his character. lap at like party he's meetings? A, What's up? I, I does he make you like sit on his lap at party meetings? Is the nudity awkward, or does he put on clothes? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, no. He he usually wears clothes. I mean, it was a calculated thing. He's he's a part of the audacious caucus. And the, you know, they wave around dildos is the thing that I, I don't, you know, know exactly, uh, you know, all the, the causes of the audacious caucus, but, you know, generally when, you know, we chat and we have our county meetings, we have, uh, you know, banter and, and conversation and challenge each other. And, and, you know, he and, and a couple of the other guys and having, uh, you know, what's generally considered more left libertarian leanings, uh, you know, challenge me and my approach to my, uh, I, basically consider myself anarcho-capitalist i would say and in terms of the way that um I, I i see the best ideas to advocate for and so you know i i've greatly enjoyed his his challenges and our discussions um 
And, you know, he has an interesting knowledge of history and just, yeah, like a, a thoughtful libertarian with, with a lot of uh, ideas that I'm, I'm happy to consider a friend. So, Wow. See, I was considering like duels with like giant light up dick shaped lightsabers or something audacious well, and waving around dildos. It seems like the way, you know. It, I wonder what I is, it, is the place for that. Yeah, what is it that it's always um, leftists leftists that are waving around dildos and and getting naked and and. I mean, because the right wing usually keeps them uh, inside. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I I can get with the Mormon idea of uh, polygamy. Mm, polygamy. <laughs> yeah, I love polis. <laughs> so fuck the um, polygamists. I guess. Well, they'll probably let you. Yeah. By Cohen, that was uh, topless at the uh, like online libertarian convention. Oh, uh, I don't think it was a convention. I think it was just like a YouTube show or something he was on. Nah, it was like the the thing where they chose the the candidate or the the libertarian. Uh, Presidential I candidate. So. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it. you might be uh, right, anyway. but uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure. I, I was uh, an alternate to the convention, so I watched part of it, and I ended up being a delegate for the end of it. But I'm pretty sure he did it just before. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, but I mean, but like, he just. Remember... I appreciate his message. He's about having fun and and you know talking about the problems of the government. And so, you know, one of the things someone had mentioned, you know, the leftists are more provocative in certain ways. And um, so the way that I, I see it is like the uh, Aristotle had this concept of like modes of rhetoric of the ethos, pathos and logos. And I think generally like libertarians are the logos. We're based in reason and we have this approach that is consistent and and thoughtful or at least, you know, our, our the political rhetoric is based in that consistent application of the non-aggression principle. And then like the right embraces the ethos where they see things through like the claim of authority and there's something worth conserving and like, but, but the right gets like property rights as a form of authority and individual, you know, rights. But then the left comes at everything from the point of pathos where they recognize that like they're, they, they are more driven by emotion and they recognize that there are problems that, that need to need to change and, you know, progress. Uh, but at the same time, like if they, uh, you know, their their advocacy for an expansive government turns into sociopathy, where it's about like exploiting and manipulating people and using emotional arguments in ways to advocate for, you know, government violence uh, and expanding the role of the system. So I think like like the best way to perceive the difference of the two, because one thing that, you know, from the Ron Paul days, like I always was perplexed by the difference between the left and the right and the idea of like economic left and economic right doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I think when, when you boil it down to like the nature of their argument, it almost always fits into the left is making the more pathos argument and the right is making the more ethos argument, both in terms of good arguments and bad arguments. It fits that dynamic pretty well. Um, All yeah. right. All right. Yeah, uh, Joe, by the way, uh, next time you meet the naked guy, uh, tell him Dr. Woods said, nice taste, bro. 
I will. I will. He's, uh, he's lost some weight recently. He's looking he's looking much trimmer these days. Well, tell him that if he gets really fit, that uh, we want to see pics. Um, and dicks. That too. <laughs> um, so, uh, back to the question I was trying to ask. Uh-huh. Um, with Spike Cohen uh, and his toplessness, um, there was uh, uh, some speculation going around um, considering some, some, well, let's call it somewhat ring-shaped discoloration uh, above, I believe it was his right nipple. Do you have any idea of this, if this was ringworm or just a bite mark? Oh, it was uh, me. I was aware of that controversy. It was me. I bit him. Dark Tom, you're so naughty. Yeah, no. He's desperate to get an American husband. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> trying here. <laughs> <laughs> right, next question, Joe. Um, I am a European, and I am uh, in the market for a green card. Will you marry me? Uh, I'm not a polygamist, and uh, you know I have a, a wife, so I'm gonna have to uh, respectfully decline. I wish you all the best, though, and and you know if you want, um, you know you can get out there and do some online dating. There's a show on uh, on some weird TV channel called uh, 90 Day Fiance. And there are all sorts of stories of people, you know, weaseling their way into getting green cards. Um, so, you know, you maybe use that show as some uh, some inspiration to give you some guidance for how people have been successful in that pursuit uh, in the past. Do you feel like right. polygamy degrades the social fabric, quote unquote? Why Why is polygamy off the table for you? Uh, it's just not my style. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just happily married, and uh, I you say this really like a guy that doesn't have a lot of group sex. Yeah, yeah, that's that's me. Um, yeah, and I think uh, I think in in a lot of ways that that sort of stuff it just complicates people's lives in in ways that uh, that I I don't think I could handle uh, personally. I, you know, at the same time, I would I certainly would oppose the government prohibition on polygamy and or whatever government policies would be related to uh, people, you know, pursuing their, their goals and, and having the type of lives that they choose to lead. So, okay, uh, Joe, uh, blink uh, three times if your wife is holding you hostage. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> oh, you guys are silly, man. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> I gotta admit, though, I, I've had a lot of kind of uh, you know boring conversations with uh, you know on on other shows where people just kind of ask questions and don't say anything back, and uh, the questions are predictable. So I appreciate the variety. Uh, there's definitely a lot of unexpected questions today. Well, I mean, you're running for a libertarian office to try to help the libertarian movement to get your message out there and really kind of let people that may not have heard it uh, hear the libertarian message. Um, what I'm doing in my personal life to bring more people to liberty is uh, somewhat akin to the commies for commies approach. I like to find left-leaning, you know, status chicks and just kind of fuck the stupidity out of them. And, you know, I let my wife have her turn and, and that's all good. She, she really does good for the nuance. Uh, me, it's more just, you know, really getting the thought of liberty into their head. 
And I found the best way to do that right. is through the vagina. That's me, though. Right, so you f- you fuck the stupidity out of them. So what do you do? You make them into men? Well, I mean, that would make me gay. So no. It, um, so they it, are still women. Well, yeah, but you've got to look at it like a liberty injection. You know? And... and it, it seems to work. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've turned many hippie chicks from leftists into just individualists. And I feel like that's a win for the liberty movement. Hmm. All right. That's very interesting. So um, using, again, this scale of 1 to 10 with 1 being uh, a Buddhist monk and 10 uh, being a Rasputin, how degenerate would you say God is, Joe? Uh, I I I don't really know. I, I'm not. Uh, I think Gandhi was a pretty good dude. He was he was peaceful. I think uh, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe I mean I don't know too much about Buddhist monks either. But I'm not sure that they belong on the zero scale. Um, well, all right. Let's let's I'm say just, I'm going to challenge uh, that a little bit. But yeah, other than that, I don't. Yeah, I don't have an opinion. Yeah, uh, Gonzo. Uh, about what you said about the, you know um, fucking the uh, stupidity out of out of them and making them more liberty oriented. Do you think maybe it's sort of like uh, how vaccines cause autism? Like they yep. get autistic and therefore more libertarian. I had not thought of that, but now that you bring it up, my autism may be strong enough. To transfer through body fluids, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Man, so um, on a uh, again a scale of one to ten, although this time not monks and Rasputin, um, on a scale of uh, let's say where one is. Um, yeah, a, 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 a presidential candidate, and ten is a chess master. How autistic would you say libertarians are on average? I don't know. Um, I think that uh, I think that people are individuals, man, and uh, libertarians are are certainly more autistic in the sense, you know, in the Misesian framework of it. But I think. Uh, that's a part of yeah the the consistency of the argument and the sort of animosity towards uh disruption is is uh is a part of the the fun and i think a part of what the unites libertarian people and and one of the things you know that you know the title of the show being no real libertarian like i think uh, i i like to use the word libertarian as an adjective more than a noun in the sense that like in I am a libertarian, but also I have libertarian ideas. And I think a lot of people have some libertarian ideas, some libertarian principles uh, in ways that they you know, do advocate for freedom in some ways. And the goal should be to try to you know, unite those common principles rather than uh, you know, taking too much of an autistic approach and pointing out all the areas where they're duplicitous. You know, uh, that's such an autistic answer. Uh... You are definitely above average, and uh, I, therefore I gotta ask you: Did Gonzo fuck you?
no, no. I, I, I mean, so you got it from I, the wild, I, I assume. One thing that maybe I, I would say that is, is autistic about me is that, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, comedians and stuff where like people are trying to be funny. I don't really get it. It's just like a strange thing to me. It's like like silly, I don't know, jokes and stuff. Like not that I'm against it. I don't. I obviously I don't have any like problem with anybody just being silly. But I just find it to be like kind of a useless way of using time. And like I think Bullshito is very funny uh, a lot of times with some of his his comments. But it's like a lot of times more relevant and or like more provocative in a way. But like sometimes when people just like try to be funny, just you know, it, it, I don't really get the, the utility of, of that. Hmm. Joe, I think you should realize that you're talking to a heavyweight and you should be grateful <laughs> that I am devoting a few minutes to you and take advantage of it and be respectful and not a fucking punk. That's what I think, Joe. <laughs> that was all funny. right. And that's, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Joe, please give me all the fucks. <laughs> What's that? What'd you say? Please give me all of your plugs because. That's it. We're uh, we're uh, we're done. <laughs> oh, all right. All your 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 Twitter, your YouTube, your your OnlyFans. Uh, please tell me. Yeah, uh, Twitter is at real Joe Hartman. I changed it to that because I was a politician because of Spike and you know the president. Uh, so yeah, at real Joe Hartman on Twitter. I have like a Facebook thing, Joe Hartman for Congress. Um, uh, you know, my phone number for my campaign is two four eight three eight two eight four four eight. I enjoy that, you know, talking to people and texting or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I that's that's about it. I don't have uh, all that much of a presence other than those things. And, and like I said, man, the campaign is just like a source of trying to get some attention and i have a few other libertarian shows lots of people have ignored me i've been pestering lots of different people to be on their shows um so i appreciate you know i have an opportunity to come chat with you guys and you need to tell them you're running for republican or democrat that'll get you a lot more attention <laughs> uh, that was, you know, good timing <laughs>